Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 109 of Grow With Soul. Today I am catching up with Cara Lee Ford who was the very first coaching episode on the podcast way back in July 2018. The last three years have seen Cara grow and develop her business model to include not just making and selling her pottery but also teaching courses, hosting a membership and writing a book. But it's also seen her come up against challenges in the emotional experience of running a business too. Today, we talk about how and why the changes came about and what's been so positive about them, as well as Cara's experience of detaching her worth from her work, recovering from burnout and creating healthier work habits. So let's dig in. Hi, Cara. Hello, Kate. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very well. Long time no see. I know. <laughs> Apart from the stalking kind on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I was looking up your last episode and it was episode three, which I hadn't remembered. It was episode three. So we're really <laughs> going uh, no. right back through the uh, archives. Gosh, I didn't realise I was that early on. I thought you had been doing it for ages. No. So professional, you see. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was just <laughs> such a great experience for you then. <laughs> it was. I actually listened to so I didn't listen to all of it, um, but I went back and I listened to about half an hour last night just to kind of refresh my memory. Because even though it was, you know, only three years ago, that's such a long time. <laughs> like so many things have happened. I mean, as you know, like one year in business is a really long time anyway. So, yeah, it was nice, though. It was really nice. I was kind of like, oh, like I feel kind of some kind of warmth towards myself back then. Like, oh, it's always nice. <laughs> did you know what was yeah. coming up? <laughs> I guess that's quite that's quite a nice part of it rather than kind of being like, oh, you stupid woman you know <laughs> or you know kind of feeling embarrassed about past you it's yeah. nice to kind of look back and be like oh look at what you were worrying about and it's all been fine <laughs> and do you know what I was kind of I was really shocked at how composed I came across I'm not sure whether it's because you did a really good job of editing out like all my ums and ahs but I was like came across as really like chilled and like I knew what I was talking about and like now I feel like oh I wish I felt that like secure now <laughs> yeah well I think that's the thing when we're we we exist in our own brains where we know we know everything that's actually going on but when we're put into a situation where we have to talk about what we do it just spot like and we have to turn it on yeah. yeah. There is so much more knowledge there than we give ourselves credit for and so much more capability than we give ourselves credit for. Yeah. It's amazing what a little bit of adrenaline can do, isn't it? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> unlocking a part of your brain that doesn't normally like actually get any action. 
<laughs> why can't I just turn this on when I need it? <laughs> yeah, I'm replying to emails. <laughs> <laughs> so for anybody who hasn't listened to episode three, of which there might be a few, can you give us a kind of refresh about what it is that you do and the inspiration behind the business and just the sort of quick story of everything? Yeah, so I'm Cara Lee Ford from Cara Lee Ford Ceramics and I am a potter and I make mostly kind of tableware all from my home studio here in Somerset. I hand throw everything on the wheel in stoneware clay. I started my business back in 2015, so it's six years old this year, which is kind of nuts. And yeah, I love what I do. I'm absolutely just still feel so lucky to be able to do this every day and call it my day job. Um, and don't think I'll ever take that for granted. Um, my work in, is inspired by the southwest coast. That's where I'm from. So I use a lot of colours and textures from kind of the ocean and the beach. And so when we were first talking, it was just, not just pottery, but your business model was selling pottery, whereas now it's diversified a little bit. So I guess that's one of the big changes since we last spoke. So yeah, tell me a little bit about what has changed in terms of your business model and how you're earning income and and how that's all kind of come to pass. Yeah, so that's a really good point. (laughs) I do. I kind of default to always being kind of a maker in my head. But actually, my business has grown into so many other different areas since we first chatted, which I just didn't even, couldn't have even dreamt about back in 2018. So that's, uh, yeah, really weird to kind of look back and think, Oh God, all these things that I do now, I don't, I never did back then. So yeah, I, I actually teach pottery as well. So I teach via my pottery club, which is kind of an online pottery mentoring service, I guess is what you could call it, where members sign up for a monthly subscription and I give them tutorials every month and help them out with their pottery troubles. And uh, there's a little community over on Facebook as well. That's kind of where I spend probably most of my time, to be honest, in my pottery club. That's where I like to devote most of my energy. Because those guys kind of, for me, they keep the lights on, literally. They are so important to my business. So um, very, very grateful to them. I also have a course that I started last year called the Smart Makers Guide to Wholesale, which is where I teach other makers, um, not just potters, but anyone who kind of makes something with their hands, how to sell to shops and galleries and how to kind of keep their integrity and also the joy of their work whilst doing so because personally that's kind of where I've struggled with in the past is like it's a very difficult balance to kind of offer the quantities that you need to produce for shops and make a profit and also not kind of selling out and just kind of making the most commercial thing you can possibly think of so yeah uh, what else have I done? Oh, and I wrote a book as well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I kind of, it's really funny because part of the um, conversation we had last time, I talked about how much I struggled with writing. Yes. Yeah. And basically last year, I spent probably 80% of my time writing. <laughs> 
which is kind of nuts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So how was... Oh, there's so many things I want to go into. Okay, I'm going to come back to the book and I'm going to talk about how how the the going into more of the the teaching side came up and whether that was very organic and kind of just happened (laughs) or whether it was super super intentional for you and how that sits with the making side by side because I know that's something that people quite often find is that the the other stuff they do took that was to supplement their income takes over and they they kind of lose what they're able to do so yeah how how and why did you start doing the teaching yeah so it was kind of a very natural progression for me I think I share a lot on Instagram and I I probably used to share even more of my processes and what I do and what goes into my work and kind of the day-to-day running and um you know the behind the scenes of my studio just because I I really I do love to share and also I think it's really important for people to understand what goes into handmade pottery because it's such a complex process and it's very long and there are lots of different stages involved and also my work isn't you know it's not cheap so to educate my customers in that way kind of makes them go oh I see right that kind of makes sense in terms of how much I'm charging for a mug for example and in that same kind of vein, I was getting loads of questions. So I'd share part of my process and then I'd get like dozens and dozens of DMs every day saying, oh, how do you do that bit? Oh, I'm struggling with this. Can you can you give me a, some pointers? Which happily I did and still do. But it got to that point where I was kind of spending, you know, several hours a day answering DMs God. for strangers on the internet um and you know there there just wasn't enough time for me to do that and also produce the amount of work that I needed to produce in order to make a living but I enjoyed it you know I, I I didn't want to just stop answering people's questions and I didn't want to stop sharing the process because that it just felt so natural for me to do that so I actually had Nicole Antoinette come to my studio back in the summer of 2019 to chat to her on her podcast, Real Talk Radio. And we had a really great conversation about kind of where I was and that I was kind of struggling with that, keeping that balance of, you know, wanting to share, but also, you know, needing to like pay myself in some kind of way and have like an exchange, like a a fair exchange of of that knowledge, if you like. and she suggested that I think about Patreon and that's basically where it started I didn't really know what Patreon was I knew I knew she had one she had a community on Patreon to support her um, podcast the more I looked into it the more I thought this actually is a really great idea you know creating a, a private community that I can share my knowledge and my processes with educate people and in return you know they can support my business in a way that is sustainable and means that we can kind of you know both parties get like an equal share if you like Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where my pottery club came from and the book kind of stemmed from there as so did the the wholesale course because it was kind of like all of these the questions that were coming up for my pottery club members 
you know, they sparked the ideas of all of my kind of other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. things that I did after that. Yeah. And I think that's so, that's so interesting as well, because a, in inverted commas, problem that a lot of makers say they have is that their audience is other makers. Yeah. And that's yeah. very hard to monetize. And so that is just an example of how to deal with that sort of problem of where you, everybody who follows you is another potter. Well, yeah. what what do they want? And But doing it in a way that you weren't feeling forced into it. Of like, well, I've got to give these people something. It, it very naturally was something that you were doing anyway. And then you're like, oh, I could probably get paid for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess like you're right in some sense that it's difficult when your audience are other, other makers in some respects, but then in other respects, I think it's also easier because they understand, Mm. they get it, they know how hard it is. And also I kind of, I built my pottery club around the idea that it was something that I would have found useful when I first started. So it's to help those people who were like me, you know, 10, seven, five years ago, help them in their journey. And, and, you know, because I remember how confusing all of the new terms were and you know if I just got stuck on something because you work by yourself often in when you're a potter and there really isn't anyone to ask so it's like Mm. I can be that person I can kind of be the pottery mentor that I didn't have you know it's not to say that I I know everything but I know a lot more now than I did back then yeah and so then the the that has then turned into the book even though you didn't like writing and so (laughs) how did that come about and then how was the experience of kind of facing that kind of story you've been telling yourself about not being a writer (laughs) yeah really interesting so at the beginning of the pandemic last year when like the shit hit the fan really (laughs) um for everyone in the world (laughs) Kind of, this is like mid-March and we'd just gone into lockdown. Boris did his chat. Everyone was probably thinking, what the absolute fudge is going on? I got an email in my inbox from my now publisher saying, hey, Cara, <laughs> have you ever thought about writing a book? <laughs> and I was kind of like, okay. This is another side of the apocalypse. (laughs) What the actual, you know, just on one hand, you know, I was, I was really actually quite terrified about what was going to happen to my business, you know, because in those early days, we we weren't even sure whether we were allowed to still post stuff. There was Mm -hmm. questions over the safety of, you know, whether that was going to transmit the virus or not. That was a very short-lived window of time. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> but there was a time when I went into my mo- local post office and they were like, is that essential items? And I was like, um, well, <laughs> it is essential in the respect that if I don't post it, then I don't get paid. And if I don't get paid, I don't eat. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's a really scary time. And then to for this email to kind of land in my inbox was just like one of those really bizarre things that the universe sends you and you just think okay this has been sent for me for a reason and 
It took me a really long time to decide whether I wanted to do it or not, because as you know, as we've talked about, writing, I don't feel is my my strongest point. I'm not, oh God, that's really bad to say, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) We'll claw it back, we'll claw it back. (laughs) Yeah, let me put that into context for people. I'm dyslexic. So even though people have told me that my writing is good, I struggle to do it. Mm it takes me far longer to write something than the average person. And um, I have kind of this self-imposed story that, you know, because I'm dyslexic, I can't write, which in actual fact, I know now is not true. Um, Lots and lots and lots of dyslexic people are fantastic writers. So, yeah, I kind of struggled with whether to do it or not, um, because of because of my dyslexia and also because of thinking how you know how am I going to keep my business afloat and and writing a book such a big commitment um so it did take me a good few months to to make that decision and my publishers were very patient with all the questions that I was asking Mm. just the practicalities of of you know like how much work is it going to be? What what are you expecting of me, basically? And and what am I expecting to get in return? You know, because even though for some I know writing a book is is a dream, but for me, you know, my dream is is to be a Potter. That's kind of what what I want to do. And I didn't. I I knew the reality was is that the book was going to take a lot of my time away from from actually making pottery. So it was kind of a big decision for me to to kind of to take that time out. But um, my husband, he was actually made redundant at the beginning of the pandemic as well. So this was another reason why kind oh my of gosh, yeah. my brain went was in a bit of a panicky state at that point because it was my business was our sole income at the beginning of last year and, and still is actually. But that was a blessing for him and for me because my husband was so supportive and so just gave me the belief that I could do it and that he would support me in any way he possibly could. And he did, he did so by the most practical terms possible. He did basically all the cooking, all the cleaning, mm-hmm. all the, you know, day to day running of a house, which no one really gives that enough credit do they like that part of life mm-hmm. takes a lot of your energy and a lot of like thought and you know just kind of you know if the car breaks down just sorting it out or knowing when your house insurance is up for renewal just like taking that off my plate gave me the room in order to to write my book so yeah super grateful for it and um so glad that I I took the plunge because I actually really, really enjoyed the writing process. Really? Yeah. I didn't think I I would. Did you go I... into it like thinking this is going to be awful and then were pleasantly surprised? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, I, I thought it was going to be torturous is, is a strong word. <laughs> so torturous. But I thought it was going to be a lot more difficult for me than it was but essentially kind of when I I was writing it I you write the first draft and that is kind of in almost like baby language really you're just kind of like putting down ideas and um, playing around with the structure and what you want to include and what you don't want to include 
And really, you know, it was just writing about pottery, which I love. So mm-hmm. that was kind of what, what, you know, made it enjoyable, not just bearable, but enjoyable for me was that I'm writing about a passion of mine. And also it was really nice to kind of pour out all of this knowledge that I have in my head kind of into one place. It's kind of similar to what I do with my pottery club, but that's in a different format. That's obviously video. And this was on paper. And to pour out that that knowledge that I've accumulated over these years, it was like, huh, mm-hmm. it, was, it was validating in a way. It's like, oh, I've got like, you know, 200 pages there that, yeah. <laughs> of pottery that is in my head. Like that's, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Like we were saying right at the beginning, when you're kind of forced into a situation and it shows you how much capability you've got and the depth you've got, like it's like the book's the exact same thing of just not thinking you can do it. And then when you actually are put into the situation, it's all there, whether you know it or not. And it just needs the ability to be expressed and a little bit of the belief of just well I'm gonna sit down and trust that it comes out (laughs) yeah and a deadline a deadline helps (laughs) yeah helps you to kind of focus your energy and be like oh okay yep I need to get this done by then so this needs to be done um and it's funny because looking going back to our original podcast you kind of were coaching me through kind of my scatterbrain and and trying to um, get me to focus. And you taught me about the Pomodoro technique. Mm -hmm. And I still use that today. And it is the best thing ever (laughs) to kind of get yourself focused and know that if you've got to do a task, then that's that's the method I use. And it was so helpful when writing my book. I just sat down every morning and I was like, okay, I'm going to do two hours and that two hours used to fly by. And by the time I kind of, you know, was ready to stop, it would be like three hours. Mm. And then I'd take a break because I'd just let my brain like kind of do something else. And I'd go and make some pottery and think of more ideas and think of the things that I wrote that morning and then went back to it later on, maybe into another hour. But it was such a great way of writing a book just to kind of like chunk it out like that. It was, yeah, brilliant. So mm. thank you. <laughs> I didn't I didn't invent the method but it is one of those things yeah. where I always find I can spend two hours faffing about and then just the act of setting the timer it's like it's yeah. annoying how much it works every time yeah. and it's like god if I just set a timer two hours ago and not been so egotistical that I thought I could just focus on my own <laughs> yeah yeah totally and just like turning off your phone for that for that hour yeah is like such a gift and like coming out of your emails and it's yeah brilliant I I don't know if I would have been able to do it without that so mm. yeah it was great so maybe we can include the pandemic in this but I assume the pandemic has been a challenge for everybody but we've talked a lot about what's changed and like some really nice good things that have happened but also what since 2018 what have you found to have been like the greatest challenges or blocks or resistance that you've come up against yeah that's it's such a great question so um I've kind of written a few notes down here and like all the things that have happened and that I've achieved since we last spoke we spoke in the July and that September 
was when I well across that summer I built the studio that we're in yes. now yes you um, were about to build it weren't you yeah so that was a twinkle in my eye when we were chatting last and so that felt like such a huge achievement for me and such a big business goal just to give myself that extra space and that has changed my business so much just that just having my kilns in a separate space and my big workbench that I'm sitting at now I've got two wheels so that I can teach while I you know I I can when we're allowed and (laughs) when it's safe and that felt like such a pivotal year for my business, 2018. And 2019, I was kind of riding on that coattail, on those coattails of, of building my studio and and then creating my pottery club. It felt all really exciting. And I had such forward going energy and I really felt like I was flying kind of in, mm. in 2018. 2020 hit. And that really took the wind out of my sails, as I'm sure it did for so many people in so many different ways. And I remember reading your blog post that you wrote back early in that year and changing your mindset from thriving to survival. Mm. And that was such an important message for me because I was, I think it was, um, was it? Uh, Laura Jane Williams, who um, I'm not sure whether she wrote a blog post about it or she shared one, shared a blog post in her stories about the feelings of grief at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Not obviously, there's the feelings of of, of grief of of just the horror of you know losing so many people to this awful disease. But then there's the other side of 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 grief of kind of all of your hopes and dreams for that the year ahead. And, and you know the consequences after that being completely obliterated and that's what it felt like for me so many things that I had in the pipeline just couldn't be anymore and that was really hard and I did I struggled so much at the beginning of last year kind of from March to probably I don't know like most of the year really (laughs) really really struggled just kind of adjusting my mindset and and being okay with leaving those things behind leaving you know my hopes for my business and and you know hopes for my husband losing his job and plans that we had together that we could no longer do so I did find it a really huge shock for for me for my business and for me mentally and emotionally it was a real it was a real humdinger wasn't it Mm -hmm. but then you know kind of the new normal (laughs) (laughs) air bunny ears came (laughs) and um I found energy from somewhere god knows where to continue and to just plow on through and to go ahead with the things you know my wholesale course that I was I was planning that and I'd kind of written probably about 70% of it by the time March came around and you know that was you know I didn't know whether I was still gonna that was still gonna be relevant with shops and galleries shut you know selling a course which was for makers to sell to shops and galleries felt pretty obsolete at that point but 
I reframed it in my mind. I took a, I kind of took a, a good few weeks out away from it. Um, and I chatted to a friend of mine who was a gallery owner and she said, you know, Cara, we will survive this. The good galleries and the good shops, they will come out the other side. They'll diversify like you are and they will open again. And your course will help people to be ready for when they do. And that kind of made me feel like Emma, she's, she's amazing. She's, um, she's actually training to be a coach at the moment. And she kind of almost like just reset everything in my mind and, and made me think, okay, no, this is still, this is still useful for people because like Emma said, you know, we will get back to normal eventually. And it probably took much longer than we actually thought, you know, we thought, Oh, it's going to be all back to normal by the summer. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, in actual fact, I've had such great feedback from the students who've taken the course and to see them now supplying shops and galleries and, and selling their work proudly and pricing it like they should be. It, it really does kind of make me feel proud and, and glad and relieved that I, I, I did it and I, mm-hmm. I stuck put that put that out into the world at a time when it just seemed such like such a crazy thing to do like nuts but mm. it um I you know I don't know how much more popular it would have been if we didn't have the pandemic but we'll never know will we that's yeah. kind of like one of those yeah. things that you <laughs> that's, that didn't have that wasn't the world that exists so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um so yeah so that's the major kind of shifts for me it's been a real like roller coaster mm. of emotion and one of the things I've most struggled with over the past year and a half is and and probably since we last spoke is rest is burnout and I had a pretty severe bout of burnout at the beginning of this year and I was I'd say probably the most unwell I'd been for a really a long time and it crept up on me like I I had just been plowing through like a lot of other small businesses you know it's, it's difficult enough to take a holiday or take time away anytime let alone when you feel this kind of gloom of you know yeah yeah horror that yeah. is global to pandemic where you, I just felt like everything was going to come crashing down around me yeah. you know what next like what's going to happen next you know every every new government announcement that came on the tv was kind of like another like thing that we couldn't do and and, and another like blow to my business and and not to mention brexit so burnout was a, was a was a real problem for me just because I I just kept going and I just I I didn't I was afraid to stop I was afraid to rest because I felt like if I took my eye off the ball for just one moment then everything was going to be gone uh, which sounds I don't know does that sound crazy but that's how I know yeah and it's I've the people that I speak to have kind of been in two camps where either the pandemic has made them go, oh, I'm just stopping. Mm. I like, this isn't right. I'm changing. This is my opportunity to change things up and like have a more healthy balance. Or they've just like 
hit it so unbelievably hard that now they're literally at breaking point and have yeah. now having to change their business because they can't carry on the way it was sustainably. And I think it definitely makes sense that, yeah, this this feeling of if I stop for one second, the conditions of the world are such that everything's going to collapse. Whereas I think that the blog post you mentioned about just going into survival was kind of about that of just like, let's lower those expectations as low as they possibly can be and just do the minimum as a way of just surviving through and something that's kind of coming up as you're sharing this is that you pre-pandemic everything was happening and you're used to being able to make things happen and that there's maybe some kind of feelings of like that's your role and your worth and you like to have to have control over everything and then you're flung into the situation where you can't make things happen yeah you're not in control of it and then the only way you know how to deal with that feeling is just to like do more stuff and just do 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 rather than actually peel it back and, and question right, why am I doing this? And what is the smartest thing to do? And I think it's so easy to do that because as long as you're doing, you're you're doing like, I'm doing things, like I'm fine, I'm busy still. Whereas actually sitting back and just letting some things fall away and noticing that the world doesn't collapse is a much scarier thing to do, but sometimes it can be really beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So for me, I have have had huge problems with separating my self-worth from what I do for a living and most of my validation up to this point (laughs) has been to do with my business and to do with you know being a maker and a potter and I did definitely get to the point where I had to be okay with with separating out myself from my business because it was it was unhealthy the amount of self-worth that I wrapped up in in what I do for a living because what if you know I broke my arm tomorrow and couldn't pot or what if something else happened or you know you, you just never know right like the last has taught us that you never know what's going to happen and for my kind of mental health I needed to separate myself from my business in my in my own head which I did I had therapy and it was the best thing (laughs) that was what I was going to ask is how how that how intentionally you went about that but obviously going to therapy is a a pretty intentional thing to do yeah yeah so I've had coaching before a lot in the past which has been absolutely fantastic but I think therapy is kind of it's almost like the other end of the spectrum it's like the 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 underneath if you like like the underneath the iceberg like you know the the ego Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff and that's been that's been really great and to to relearn to kind of prioritize my own needs a little bit like you know how do you feel Cara like what do you need today what do you need at this minute whether that's just to drink more water or to get an early night or to you know to know that you've done enough today you know you've worked hard for enough of the day you've done enough like stop just stop (laughs) and I think that's 
been a real struggle for me is to just to be okay with with knowing when to stop working and to to give myself a break and I think it it all came to a head in the pandemic because we you know for me I work from my home and we couldn't leave our homes for Mm -hmm. a really long time apart from our one hour allocation of exercise a day and when you know you you work for yourself and and you work in your house and you work or you know you work and live in the same place it's so difficult to get any kind of headspace and any kind of um separation and that's basically what happened to me is that i just i just worked worked through it and you know having a book to write as well as making pottery to you know to keep the lights just meant that i hit a wall and like you say i was definitely in the in that group of people who just kind of <laughs> went a bit, yeah, full on. And I, I, I've seen it as well now. I kind of have my peers in other potters who I follow on Instagram have have experienced the same as me and have kind of gone, okay, yep, that that was tough. We've like just worked our asses off like harder than we've ever worked in our entire careers just just to because we're afraid that if we stop then it will stop Mm. so yeah but I'm feeling better I'm feeling better now I'm feeling like um it's okay to prioritize rest it's okay to have a break you don't have to feel guilty for not working 10 hours a day (laughs) Um, and we have we do have such a unhealthy culture around busyness I know that you know you talk so eloquently about kind of breaking that you know that that thing that we have in the west of of just like you know working hard is is noble and mm-hmm. is an, but also mm-hmm. so, so is looking after yourself and and taking care of your mental health mental and physical health and again it's coming out of the pandemic on the other side of just like what what do you take with you mm. at, at the end of all of this you know what uh, I know it's very cliche to say nobody lies on their deathbeds and wish they'd worked more but we've we've really come very nose to right up to that and and seen that yeah there are people who who have had that experience and that just to that life is is so much bigger than the work we do in it and we seem to like in in this in in this culture to put work above life and that life is something mm. that fits into work rather than work being something that fits into life and that and it's a, a real big thing to try and get your head around the idea that you can do what you want yeah and that's all right yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. and that that whole and I was thinking about this on the work the other uh, on a walk the other day about how if so you say oh that person they work really hard like that's a compliment Mm, yeah it is and just like how messed up that is yeah yeah. like oh they're a really hard worker not like they're a they're a happy person they're kind (laughs) they're a hard worker and that's like a big tick and I just yeah makes me feel a little weird (laughs) it's almost like we should kind of reframe it and be like that person's really good at rest they get eight hours sleep every night. That's amazing. Like, mm. good for them. That's brilliant. Yeah. Like, that's how we should kind of be. You yeah. Know. Well, that person's really efficient. They like get everything they need to do- get done in like four hours a day, and then yeah. they go and do something fun. Like, yeah. go them. 
absolutely brilliant i mean the one thing that kind of makes it even harder kind of from my perspective is that i love what i do and my you know pottery is kind of like my hobby as well as my job and i kind of you know when when i finish doing all of the things i need to do for for work for the day i'll go and potter around playing with clay for fun Mm. and that actually you know that's that's really great in one way but then in another way it's like no no you need to do something else now you I need to (laughs) I need another hobby which kind of I've realized over the last year um and it's been difficult hasn't it because a lot of the things that we love to enjoy doing have have been taken away for a, a temporary period of time like you know my husband and I really enjoyed walking along the, the southwest coast path that mm-hmm. was kind of what we did to recharge our batteries um and we couldn't do that we couldn't you know you weren't allowed to travel outside of your local area for a really long time um uh, but it's now we're kind of everything is easing and we're allowed to do things again it's given me that a renewed vigor to go right okay hobbies what else can I <laughs> do and I'm really excited about it I'm really excited about getting back onto the coast path and um I've just started horse riding again I used to do when I was a teenager and absolutely just I was obsessed with horses and that kind of took a hiatus for like 20 years really when I you know got a job and went to uni and couldn't afford couldn't afford to do it anymore and um and I just I'm in a position now where my business is is going okay you know it's we're not like you know we're not millionaires but we're we're fine like we can pay Mm. our bills and I can actually afford to have horse riding lessons now um and it's just such an amazing thing to get outside in nature and be around animals and that's kind of um just been such a great thing for my brain just to be just to have something else to think about just Mm. like yeah I got a horse riding lesson this week and yeah so that has been a real big big one for me is kind of prioritizing hobbies which aren't pottery (laughs) (laughs) um because I want to I want to protect the joy that pottery gives me and it still does and and I think that's really important Mm, yeah yeah that's a really good point about not ending up resenting because that could that could can happen after a period of burnout where it's like this is the thing that hurt me yeah and having some trepidation about going back to it yeah yeah and I think therapy has definitely helped with that and then you know it wasn't it's it's not pottery's fault it's it, it wasn't that that hurt me it was kind of you know the general situation of the world and um that hurt everyone right so um yeah it's it's been it's been really great to kind of um get some other things in my day and and still feel that kind of spark of joy every morning to get up and go oh yeah yeah I've got to make those mugs today or mm-hmm. I've got to do this today so yeah it's great yeah what a journey <laughs> <laughs> no, right god blimey yeah but, and, and I think it's it's a it's an ongoing one as well and that for the majority of us we've been brought up from children about achievement and worth and all that kind of thing and it's not one of those like challenges that can be a a ticked box and like I'm over that and it's it's more a a 
are bringing awareness to it so that you can go about your day and your life from now on with intention about it. Like you were kind of saying about, do I need a drink of water? We're so detached from our bodies and actually being able to be connected our head to our Mm. our body by more than just like our neck (laughs) but to to really have that tuned in to yourself a bit more is is all we can do just to keep plugging away at it because it's so so deeply layered yeah it really is and um yeah these things don't occur in a vacuum right you know the the art upbringing in our education and just our culture and society have have drummed these things deep deep into our psyche and it's only when you then you know you become mindful of that and you start seeing it and you start questioning it that's when you can really kind of free yourself from those the shackles of you know the beliefs that you have surrounding um self-worth and you know you deserve good things in your life you don't have to work your absolute you know arse off Mm. to actually you know deserve to be happy and to rest and to be able to do the things that bring you joy yeah who who does suffering help there's this kind of feel of like oh you have to work really hard and suffer through it and then at the end of it you get a thing Mm -hmm. whereas it's like well who does that help because it doesn't help you the individual but it's also not helping anybody around you or even wider still in society more people who are joyfully going about doing work in a balanced and sustainable way it's just better for everyone and it's just (laughs) this this kind of cult of suffering and like well it's work so it has to be hard and and I get and I think that's probably something perhaps for you is that the kind of thought process of like well I love this and I enjoy it but it's my work and it should be hard so I just need to do Mm -hmm. do it really hard because yeah. otherwise it's not really work and it doesn't count. I think that's yeah. like a huge thing for people who do what they love, that it's like, I'm cheating, I'm not suffering enough, so how can I how can I make it count? Definitely. There's definitely all of that in there. That really, really quite a lot. And I, I also feel kind of I feel so lucky to be doing what I'm doing that it's it's like I've I've almost got to suffer penance for that luck. Mm. It's like no, I, I, I have to, yeah, like you say, I have to suffer in order to deserve this. Mm. And it's, that's just, you know, all kinds of yeah. mess. Well, yeah. and also the fact like that you say you feel lucky to be able to do it, even though it's been six years of <laughs> your own agency and work that's done it. Like, it's not like somebody handed you a a shed it's like here you go (laughs) (laughs) you get to do this now and so it's 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 funny to me that the the good things are the things that we feel are luck we're lucky for and the bad things are the things we feel are our fault yeah and they don't go the other way around yeah it's so interesting isn't it um and I actually so before this we met today I went back and I, I got like a spreadsheet that I have like my KPIs, mm. key performance indicators. <laughs> um, and I've kept that since the beginning of my business, since I started in 2015. And I looked back at, at 2018 and it's got things like, you know, turnover and, you know, the amount of uh, wholesale orders I had and the things like Instagram followers, you know, just to kind of give me 
something to look back on and, and make sure that I'm going in the right direction. And it was such a nice thing to be able to do, to look back at how much things have, have grown for me. And, you know, cause I don't, I don't tend to actually look at it. I kind of mm-hmm. stick the figure um, every so often. And then I don't really take the time to kind of look back. And it was such a nice thing to be able to look back and go, wow, gosh, that was, I mean, back then I felt like, yeah, this is awesome. And like <laughs> now things are kind of where they are now. I'm like, oh, wow, that's just like, that's pretty incredible. Like what I've been able to achieve is, is pretty nuts, isn't it? It's, mm. Yeah, it's nice to be able to look back. But at the same time, you know, you kind of, you think like, oh, when I get to this turnover or this amount of instant, I'll feel better, I'll feel more yeah. settled. I feel like, oh, I can just chill, I can relax now. And actually, I found the opposite to be true. <laughs> like, the the bigger you get, the, the you know, the, the, the wider your reach in, in terms of business, I feel like, in some respects, the more unsteady you feel, and it's almost like the more you have to lose in a yes. way. Yeah. Which I didn't expect that to happen. Like no one really kind of. I've never heard anyone talk about it in that way. That when you you grow, you kind of you're, you're exposed to to more risk, and you're exposed to more criticism as well because you kind of you're you know you're exposing yourself to more people and that's not something that I considered when you know starting my business you know it's not like there isn't there is an alternative right like because the alternative is you don't grow and you just stay the same you you know you don't you don't push yourself or you don't do anything new or you don't you know you don't reach new people which is kind of not really the not really the point, I don't think. So it is kind of a natural part of having a business is is all of those kind of, you know, those incremental things tend to to get bigger and larger and but it's the 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 scary psych- psychology that comes alongside that is something that I just never considered and mm. didn't really hear a lot about. Yeah, no, and it's so true. And I think that when the first couple of years and things, you're in this just kind of, I don't want to use the word desperate, but you're in this kind of, I've got to, I've just got to make it work. I've just got to make it work. I've got to do whatever I can for this to just work. And then it kind of hits a point where it is working, but it takes a while to get out of that, do anything to make it work mindset. (laughs) And then you end up in this place of, well, it's all, it's kind of, in a lot of ways running by itself mm. and yeah and then your goalposts just shift dramatically forwards yeah. and and that, that's something that I've personally experienced a lot through the pandemic especially of just like my whole life I've been waiting for the point at which I'm allowed to enjoy myself yeah. and that point keeps moving that mm. he's like once I get there everything yeah. will be fine but there is there is no there like there's mm-hmm. never going to be a point where everything's fine yeah and you do definitely you do start to feel and I think this is why businesses start to stagnate because of that pressure of oh god if I change something everybody's going to leave yeah or if I 
if I do this or if I do something wrong, everybody's going to leave and I'm going to lose everything. And, and you kind of get into more of a lack mindset, even more when you're starting out and you've got no money because then yeah. you do have nothing to lose. But now you do, you the lack starts to creep in and you're just like, you're trying to hoard what you've got. Yeah. And so something that I'm trying to do at the moment is get back to more of a kind of startup mindset of mm. just not caring yeah <laughs> um and just like I've got to do something that as I'm kind of writing about what I want to do next something that comes up a lot is boundary pushing work mm-hmm. which I feel that I've not been doing probably for the last year or so in myself that it's just been yeah. easy to keep talking about the same kind of things over and over and people like it and so it's easy to do that but that's not actually boundary pushing work and so yeah, to kind of take what's good about that s- desperate startup time, which is the ability yeah. to experiment, the ability to take risks, and just, and it all comes down to trusting what you've built that yeah. enough enough people aren't going to leave and enough people, new people are going to be interested enough to carry on and, and come fill any gaps of people that do leave and just like, being okay with it and saying I trust my capabilities I trust my business I trust what I've done so far to be able to allow me to turn this into something that is more what I need it to be yeah that's amazing I mean that that kind of startup energy is there's there's magic in that isn't there you mm-hmm. kind of like that's a real um, kind of golden bit of advice there to try and harness that and keep that in your mind. And and I think it was it's Sarah Tasker who says, treat everything like an experiment, like mm-hmm. just try it. If it works, yeah. it works. If it doesn't, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, that is, that's been a really um, powerful piece of advice that Sass Petherick gave to me was, okay, think of the worst case scenario. What's the worst possible scenario that can happen? And then what's the best? And often the worst that can happen is not nearly as bad as you think. Mm-hmm. So for instance, you know, in regards to writing my book, what's the worst that can happen? The worst is that it doesn't sell. Like that's the worst. Like, is is that gonna kill me? Is that gonna destroy my, my business? No. Mm-hmm. But what's the best thing that can happen? And the best thing that can happen is that it's a bestseller. And that, you know, I go and write more books and you know, people love it and they tell me they love it. And, you know, if I'm kind of like looking at those two options and thinking like, is it, is this worth doing on balance? Like, am I prepared to risk both? The answer is always yes, it is. Mm. So that's kind of in, in relation to your like pushing boundaries in your business. Like I always find that question to ask yourself, like what is the worst that can happen and what is the best thing that can happen? And often the pull of the best thing is, yeah. is way more powerful than the fear of the worst thing. Mm. Yeah. Like what's enough to make the worst worth it? Like yeah. what what's the good thing that is enough of a driver that the possibility of the worst thing happening is worth it? <laughs> yeah. 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 And from my experience, like nine times out of ten, you end up doing it because the the good thing is is just so much more powerful yeah yeah and it's so much more likely as well that's the thing yeah Yeah. like on the law of probabilities something going 
like neutral to well is yeah. so much more likely than something like just absolutely failing in a big catastrophe like it's just yeah yeah and, and the good thing as well is that you'll always learn something from a failure you'll always take something away from it and go ah okay yeah i probably should have done it like this or i should have um you know done it in a slightly different way and you can then use that to to make the next time you do something better mm. so it's never i often find that um you know a, a new thing is never kind of wasted you still always yeah. try and do it if you can yeah yeah and i'm i i sort of enjoy it when things don't go well <laughs> in a lot of ways just because it's like i don't know it feels like right well next thing what we can we yeah. do and just like get having that turnaround of energy and just like okay well lessons learned this 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 and this didn't work the format wasn't right how can we transform it and just like that is and people just get so scared about not about doing anything just in case it doesn't sell whereas like i've had things that haven't sold a single thing and like i'm fine (laughs) i was absolutely fine (laughs) yeah me too you know i've made something my studio that i thought was the best thing i've ever made and it's languished on my website for months and i'm like why is that selling i'm glad you love it but it's you know at the end of the day it it doesn't really matter i think being in business means that you're generally very forward looking anyway, like, mm-hmm. which is kind of a, it's a good thing and a bad thing because you rarely look back and, and go, oh, that was good, wasn't it? And, and take all the good things away. Um, but then you rarely kind of look back at the bad things either. And you, yeah. you kind of, you just, you just, you moved on, haven't you? you moved mm-hmm. on to the next thing and you go, right, what's next? What, what are we doing? What are we working on today? And it's, um, yeah, it's interesting that that forward-facing mindset is quite healthy in one way, but then in another way, it's kind of it's it's nice to acknowledge when things have gone right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's easy to move on from the bad things, but then at the same time, you're just like move on from the good things and not even take any time to to be like, huh, I did a good job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I I could talk about this all day, but. <laughs> Let's start wrapping up slightly. So last time, all the way back in 2018, where I asked you, how do you grow with soul in your work and life? You said, I have two things. Don't say yes to everything to preserve your own energy. And my second thing is to treat every customer like they are your first one. Uh, uh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's good advice, isn't it? Kind of wish that I'd remembered that. Yeah, no, I was just <laughs> thinking, like, oh, preserve your own energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, I can, I can dish that advice out really well, but <laughs> whether I listen to it or not is is another thing. The the first customer one, I I feel like that's still part of part of how I how I operate and I'd like to think that I communicate with every everyone kind of on that same with that same energy and that same enthusiasm Mm. so it's kind of shifted now because most of my communication is to my pottery club members and my wholesale course like they they take up like the most amount of you know my my day-to-day um interaction and yeah I mean they kind of feel like pals to me Mm. so it's shifted in a way from them being customers to them I don't know being yeah like they've 
they've moved to a different part of my of my heart yeah <laughs> like. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah that's really interesting is there anything that you'd add now if I was to ask you the question again oh golly just actually do actually do the preserving your energy thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I think it's really important to remember why you started your business because the reason I started being a potter and being self-employed was to have freedom and freedom to to work in a way that I want to work and to 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 have the life that I want not you know this kind of cookie cutter existing life yeah yeah and I think it's really important to remind myself of that that to to allow myself that freedom and um which all kind of goes back to prioritizing rest and listening to my body when I need to take a break so that that would be my advice to myself (laughs) (laughs) remember why you started this was to feel free and it's weird isn't it because I feel like we're all gonna be living in a world where we talk about post-pandemic and Mm pre-pandemic and our mindsets have shifted like so much like mine has anyway and this this year has been has been such a an informative part of of my life that I don't think I've learned, I don't think I'm, I'm far enough away from it to learn all yeah. the lessons yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in a year's time, I'll have more advice for myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we should meet back. Yeah, let's come back in a year. <laughs> and I'll have something else. <laughs> I'll probably still be struggling with burnout. <laughs> yeah, of course, for the rest of your life. But... <laughs> It's a yeah. process. It's your life's work. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So, Cara, where can people come and find you? Find the book. Find Pottery Club. Find all all the things. All the things. Well, so I hang out mostly on Instagram, and I'm Cara Lee Ceramics on there. Um, and my website is. Carly Ford Ceramics and if you want to check out my pottery club um, where I share monthly um, pottery tutorials and I'm available for advice and guidance (laughs) in all your pottery projects that's carlyfordceramics.com forward slash community Um, and my book is going to be out in the US and Canada in August and it's slightly delayed the UK um it's going to be out probably mm, six weeks later September October time in the UK and the rest of the world so I'm very excited to share that with you um did I mention the name I can't remember if I no, did you haven't no <laughs> <laughs> probably should tell you the name of it it's pottery for beginners and it's a book that is perfect for if you've never touched clay in your entire life but you always dreamt about giving it a go. And it's also really great for someone who's kind of a novice potter, budding potter, to give you lots of tips and ideas for pushing your skills even further. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing. Thanks, Kate, for asking me. It's been a real joy and it's been it's been really nice to kind <laughs> yeah. of back and yeah. check okay that's where I was then this is where I am now it's been yeah it's been really lovely so thank you so much 
Any links that we mentioned will be on my website at simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. And you can find me and Cara on Instagram. I'm at Simple and Season and she's at Cara Lee Ceramics. And Lee is L-E-I-G-H. If you have a friend who you think would really love this conversation, then please do send them the link to the episode and share where you're listening online too. And until next time, I hope you grow a song.